Welcome to another inspirational episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. It's a great friend and mentor of mine, Glynis Whiting, a producer, director, writer. I learned that day that if you're going to pursue a career in the arts, passion isn't enough. You have to be brave. Monetizing Your Creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents? I became a television executive, and my job was to find projects that Super Channel could put development money into, and working with writers to get their projects to that point. We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. I'm your host, Marvin Polis, and joining me via Skype is our co-host, Fred Keating. Fred is in Vancouver, Canada today, while I'm on the other side of the Rocky Mountains. And Fred, I understand that you have with you in the room our guest. Tell us who we have. I do indeed. It's a great friend and mentor of mine, Glynis Whiting, a producer, director, writer. We're sitting on the edge of the water on the Burrard Inlet in a beautiful... Port Moody, where Glynis has a home and studio. And uh, Glynis, what I'd like to do is ask you, as early as you'd care to share with us, about your first uh, inkling about the the journey you were going to take through the creative arts activities that you've practiced for so many years. I started writing when I was very young, as many people do. As as, uh, a kid, I used to write stories. And I think a lot of people who are interested in becoming writers share that same story. But when it became more serious was when I was in university. I had a mentor, and I think mentors are very important in in our processes, in, in our journeys. And I was in university, and I was very shy, very, very reserved. I used to look at the ground while I was walking, and I was in an improv class. I was in education, studying early childhood education, because I didn't even think I had the courage to teach teenagers, because they were too scary. I thought I could deal with little kids. So it was midterm. I was in this improv class, and I was in a meeting with Professor. It was Kevin Burns. And he had us do this exercise where we would tie ropes. We'd tie a rope while we were speaking so we wouldn't get caught up in thinking about what we were saying. And he asked what I wanted to be doing. And at that point in time, I was going to become an elementary school teacher because I wanted to have a job. But he got me to admit that really what I wanted to do is write, but I knew that that was impossible, that you couldn't make a living as a writer, that that, would, that was a, a pie-in-the-sky dream. But then he said, why not? And I said, I gave him all those reasons, and he just kept repeating, why not? Why not? Until I got to the point where I ran out of excuses. I learned that day that if you're going to pursue a career in the arts, Passion isn't enough. You have to be brave, and you have to push through those fears. And that's what I learned that day. And then I went on. I I 
next day I got out of early childhood education and went into drama education, which was one step over, and then just kept moving from there with a lot of encouragement from people along the way. A lot of people would say that's out of the frying pan and into the fire. (laughs) And it was. It really felt like it at the time. I taught for one year and then decided, no, that I was was avoiding writing, and that really was my passion. And I, studying drama education, I took playwriting courses. I did a Master's of Fine Arts at UCLA in playwriting and had written many, many scripts. I'd written over 20 scripts, and some of them I had sent to the Super Channel office in Edmonton. Super Channel was the home base for the pay television service in Canada. And uh, I sent them my scripts over time and had meetings with them and, and then went away to go to graduate school. When they were looking for someone to man their creative development office, they came to me because I'd written all those scripts. And I didn't have a lot of experience in the industry, but I'd spent so much time writing and studying how to write drama. Now, Glennis, you mentioned that you were a very shy person and that you also studied improv. Now, was that a tactic to help you tame the shyness? No, but that's an interesting question because I grew up surrounded by artists, and so I always had an interest in the arts. And when you studied elementary education, you were required to do arts electives. And so I chose to do an improv class and enjoyed it so much because it was creating. It was collective creation, essentially, creating plays with a group of people. And I was horrified of getting up in public, but I loved that creative process. And so I start, what started as one improv class became two, became three, and I think I ended up doing five. So in the end, did you actually enjoy presenting to the public? I enjoyed presenting to the public to get the story across. I still am very shy in in a performing capacity unless I'm passionate about the subject. So then you moved on from there and you became a television writer, is that correct? I became a television executive and my job was to find projects that Super Channel could put development money into and working with writers to get their projects to that point. There were, for every 500 projects that came in, one might be put into development. But I felt that I could do more than just hand out money because there wasn't a lot of money to hand out. What I could do was work with the writers to get their projects where they needed to be, even if Super Channel couldn't put the money in, where they could take them elsewhere, but most importantly, so that they could develop as writers. Now, Glennis, it sounds to me as though you were the person who was kind of sitting in judgment over the script ideas. What were some of the things that you looked for in the story, and what were some of the things that you looked for in the quality of the writer themselves? I'm a, a huge believer in Aristotelian structure with you know good character development and strong passion and motivation of characters and a story that goes somewhere that has a strong beginning, middle, and end. Subject matter didn't really matter if it was well written. And what I looked for in writers is people who were passionate about what they were doing. I worried if people came in with scripts that they'd written because they thought they were going to make a bunch of money. And so they have to get more out of it than just that. I wasn't worried about level of experience because that's something that everybody has, you know, start has to start somewhere. Do you think that working with those writers, coaching them, uh, getting immersed in their stories and what they were trying to share with a, a broader audience... 
made you a better writer? I think it always does. I think being exposed to other people's writing is one of the best things that you can do. And because you, because as you dig into other people's work, you're digging deeper into your own understanding of drama. And I still believe that when you're working with writers, you have to be very careful not to put your own ideas on top of their story. Their story is theirs. They're doing it because they're passionate about writing. That you ask questions about where their story's going, about what they want their story to be, and you help them get that onto the page. Now, did you find it easier to analyze other people's writing because of a certain distance you had between that and the script and trying to apply the same principles to your own work. Yes, it's always great to have feedback from someone else. I would never put something out there without getting that feedback from someone to get that other set of eyes. It's it's like having a psychologist for your story in a lot of ways because you don't always see what's coming across. Uh, so often you think something's clear and it's not, or you've hit something on the, the on the nose too many times and it's become redundant. So very much so. So what occasioned the move from being a script analyst and writer yourself to producing? And tell us the story of Blood Clan. Well, I was in that job. I saw that so often projects weren't being made. So I thought I had to do more. I couldn't just sit there and, you know, have to reject so many scripts when I wanted to be able to to move projects forward. And I wanted to get my own projects made. And so I had a script that I'd written as a radio play originally, and I turned it into a movie script and thought, the best way to get it done is to get, to make it myself. And I gathered so much experience in that position, just understanding uh, financing structures and that sort of thing, because I'm one of those people who can wear both those hats. Both those parts of my brain work. That left side of my brain works with the right side, although I really prefer only to have to wear one hat at a time. You pulled together uh, a terrific director and a number of terrific actors uh, for this inaugural production as a, as a, a young producer. Well, yeah, I was very fortunate again, and that's another thing that as a, a young filmmaker really helped me was accepting help from people and not being afraid to ask for help. Charles Wilkinson was the um, director, Gordon Pinsent played the lead, and I really focused on also using a lot of uh, very fine actors from Alberta, and I think some of the best talent in that film uh, were those local actors. Uh, Maybe I heard it from you, but is it true that he actually took a bus all the way across Canada from Newfoundland to Alberta as opposed to being flown or driven or any number of other things that a star of that uh, caliber might be used to. When I was first talking to Gordon on the phone, asking him if he would do the project, I had sent him the script and he said he loved it. But then I had to explain to him how low our budget was. And he was in Toronto, not Newfoundland at the time, but he did say does that mean I'm going to have to take a bus? And I said, no, no, we actually have enough money to fly you out here. And so we flew him. But uh, but he was so gracious and, and lovely and so willing to work for very little money and, and to, to put his heart into the project. Now, Glennis, we talked about some of the things that make a writer a successful writer. What about producing? Because you've 
obviously worn that hat as well. What are some of the things that make a producer a successful producer? Well, bringing a project in on time and on budget, I always took that very, very seriously. Being clear with people from the beginning, being honest with people, making sure that when you contract people that you're clear in the intentions, you're clear on what they're going to get, and you're clear on what you're going to get. Because there's nothing worse for anyone than finding out that somehow they feel like they were let down. And that's how you build good long-term relationships, and that's what you need in, in any industry. Now, Marvin, I know we're maybe getting close to the end of, of our, our time for this episode, but I, I really do want to ask Linus to join us again or ask if we can join her again because there's a whole side of her writing that we have not explored yet, and that is the Nosy Parker series. What I'd love to do is an episode about how this screenwriter-producer morphed into a published novelist. That sounds great, Fred. I know that Glennis has a lot more stories that she can share with us. I look forward to it. Thank you very much. Well, there you go, Marvin. Permission granted. Thanks for tuning in to Monetizing Your Creativity. Be sure to join us next time by subscribing to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. It helps us with our ratings. You can also visit monetizingyourcreativity.com for more information about the show. And hey, be sure to tell your friends who want to understand how to monetize their creativity.